Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number Do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 5, Reptile Boy, and Episode 6, Halloween. Slayer, Season 2, Episode 5, Reptile Boy, written and directed by David Greenwald. Original air date, October 13th, 1997. Episode 11, we're back. Another week, another dollar. 11. 11 dollars. No. 11, no, 11 weeks, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm your host, Mr. Universe. I'm your co-host, Mr. Universe. I don't think you remember which one you are. No, I can't remember. The Clairvoyant is my name. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do Reptile Boy for you. We're going to review it, discuss it. This one's actually the first episode uh, to be written and directed simultaneously by the same person that isn't Joss Whedon. Who was it? David Greenwald. Oh. <laughs> uh, we were supposed to have a guest for this segment. We were ever supposed to have a guest for the next segment. And life keeps happening. So we're going to stop telling you when we were supposed to have guests because it's going to get depressing. It is really disappointing. <laughs> uh, but the reality is in podcasting, it happens quite frequently. Uh, you have to try and make schedules work. You've got limited deadlines to try and get things to work. And sometimes it just can't happen more often than not. Uh, so that's the reasoning. No blame on the guests. It's usually our fault having to shift stuff around. So oops. But it's almost exclusively Mr. Universe's fault. Yeah, I'm a busy guy. I've got Playboy parties all the time. And they take priority. <laughs> but in Finland, this episode's called Lizard Man, and in Germany it's called The Secret Society. So we already got a little bit of a picture painted of what the episode's about. The Serpent Society. <laughs> um now, when I first saw this episode 45 years ago, I dozed off with like two minutes left in the episode, but I didn't know how much was left, so I ended up rewatching the whole episode. So needless to say, this episode's always kind of stuck out in my mind, though it's kind of a forgettable episode to everybody else. Yeah, I didn't remember it until I rewatched it. Uh, but this episode starts with Giles's Every Generation speech. And we open up with a beautiful but uh, not very PC opening of Buffy, Willow, and Xander watching and not understanding a Bollywood movie. 
Yeah, they have it like on mute and they're talking a lot. Is it on mute? I, can't I don't think it is, but it's on a grainy old TV and they're just laying around on Buffy's bed. I think it's Buffy's bed. Just trying to make sense of it. I might be thinking of the Friends episode where they have it on mute and they're talking along. Yeah, and this is very reminiscent of a Friends episode where they did a similar thing. They're asking you, why is she singing? And They just don't understand Bollywood. And there's a WP sticker in this scene in Buffy's room, which stands for the band Widespread Panic. And if you pay attention, those stickers are everywhere this season. I've counted them a million times already. Keep an eye out for them, because you will keep counting them. They're everywhere. I like to think they stand for Web of Pepper. <laughs> but uh, it's revealed that they're doing this little friend night because they're all broke and they can't do anything else. Even though it doesn't really make sense because the bronze doesn't have a cover fee. I think sometimes it has a cover fee. Yeah. Either way, Willow suggests that they go to the bronze, but they sneak in their own tea bags and ask for hot water. Ooh. Yeah, hop off the outlaw train, Willow, before you <laughs> land us all in jail. Bobby's a little bit happy, though, because it's been quiet in Sunnydale lately. Yeah, and that's probably why they're so bored. There's not much to do. <laughs> and then uh, they go back to the movie. Wait, how does the water buffalo fit in again? <laughs> they're, yeah. And we get a sweeping shot outside. We cut outside to the Waddles Mansion, which is a real-life mansion in L.A. Uh, not for the purposes of this episode, though. It's a frat house. But can you imagine living in that mansion? Yes. <laughs> that, I don't know if that was the right answer. But a girl jumps out the window and over the balcony because she's raw, because that's a huge drop. Yeah, she's... Partying hard. <laughs> and some robed guys come out chasing after her, uh, looking, and she runs, they take chase, and for some reason, she does a like a rolling fall over nothing. There's nothing she's, to trip over. She just kind of does a battle roll. I forgive her because she's a cutie. <laughs> and then she, uh, she vaults a fence into the graveyard and keeps going. They're right behind her. And I feel like... Every building in Sunnydale is adjacent to this graveyard. <laughs> I One thing that I thought was funny is there is, in the because she's in the background, and in the foreground, I don't think you're supposed to be paying attention to it, it's just a generic headstone that just says, Dad. And, <laughs> yeah, down with the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but apparently David Greenwald and or the set designer uh, has some issues with their dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a feminist message. <laughs> but uh yeah i feel like every building is adjacent to sunnydale or to the sunnydale graveyard because well, i swear they, they can get there from anywhere else there's a lot of graveyards though but i noticed that one of the graves is like built like an egyptian pyramid i'm not judging i'm just saying <laughs> uh but a hunky guy in a robe catches her and it's callie where are you going the party's just getting started and they all drag her away which is not a party. <laughs> it, was, it, it felt party-like. <laughs> oh, I first saw this, I was actually surprised that they were humans. Either way, title credits. I sing that song more convoluted and garbled every time. You sing it? Do you usually sing it? For the past couple episodes, yeah. I don't remember that. I tune you out most of the time. Yeah, me too. But we come back with Cordelia laughing as fakely as humanly possible. It hurts. It really does. <laughs> with some random redhead. 
Yeah. And it turns out she's just following Dr. Debbie's relationship tips. Which, the subtitles say D-E-B-I. So I'm assuming it's not Dr. Debbie McGinn's. It's very possible that it's the real Dr. Debbie. But the subtitles say otherwise. I've, I, it just makes me think of, like, Rugrats. Like, Dr. Lipschitz or whatever. <laughs> but uh, meanwhile, Buffy had a smoky dream with Angel in it last night. They, quotation marks, did stuff. And Willow ships it. Yeah. Willow's team Angel all the way. Speaking of ships, though, I got made fun of for saying I ship it so hard in a previous episode. I'm not going to stop saying it. I'm just acknowledging that it's out there. That bullying is real. <laughs> but, uh, whatever. Well, I'm not ashamed. I'm manly. Pretty much all the time. <laughs> but Willow suggests to ask Angel out for a late night coffee because they couldn't go for a, like afternoon coffee because he's Angel. So she's an angel. My angel. Probably going to go to their one Starbucks. But uh, Willow compares coffee to relationships because it's hot and bitter. (laughs) They walk past Cordelia, who mentions that there's no comparison between college men and high school men. And she's kind of making fun of Xander a bit. Yeah. I want to talk about Willow and Xander's clothes. Go for it. That's my job. Go for it. That's my job. Yeah, I contradicted myself a little bit. So Rainbow... Willow's got this lovely, like, rainbow vomit ensemble <laughs> with an orange undershirt. And Xander's wearing a highlighter yellow. That's the color. And also, but the thing is, like, Xander, he's wearing, he's like a banana, if I remember correctly, because it's been a while since I watched the episode between then and now. It's like, a, if I remember correctly, he has a white shirt and then, like, a highlighter yellow overshirt with one button in the middle buttoned up. And that's it. That's how you do it. Like Jean Valjean style. (laughs) uh, Cordelia talking about high school boys versus college boys is not a new thing. In the first episode, she was talking about how she liked college boys. Can you imagine playing a Cordette extra? Just like this random redhead? Yeah, but it always seems to be a different person. Yeah. They'd be like, just stand there and just smile or whatever she says. (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, it's weird because, like, people like Harmony are frequent, <laughs> so would, which would you rather? <laughs> yeah. I swear there's a different one every other episode. But Xander calls Cordelia core in this scene, which feels out of place. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, like, nickname which I don't feel like they're on the right terms for that. <laughs> and if, if they were, like, Cordy is the go-to. Yeah. But uh, Cordy is dating a Delta Zeta Kappa, which is an extraterrestrial. But she has a sick burn. She says the only way he'd ever go to college is if he's delivering the pizzas there. Probably true. Yeah. And once again, he has no comeback, so he just awkwardly walks away. Yeah. She's good at just burning him and then leaving him to rot. Fester. As burns do. (laughs) But Buffy has to meet Giles in the library and mentions that Giles won't be upset she's late because there hasn't been much paranormal activity lately. But see, the paranormal activity line is a reference to a movie that came out 10 years after this episode. I don't think so. (laughs) So those Slayer dreams are pretty ridiculous 
predicting the future. Paranormal activity was a phrase before the movie. I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, when Bobby said there's a kind of hush over Sunnydale, that line, it's a reference to the song with that name by Herman's Hermits. A kind of a hush over Sunnydale? There's a kind of hush over blank. Anyways, Giles is pretty PO'd. Uh, Buffy's been slacking. And asks, would you even be prepared if a demon sprung up behind you and did this? And he goes to attack her, but she literally tears his arm from his body. Whoa, no. <laughs> no, but she but, does stop him. I like in this scene, Giles tells her, he mentions patrolling, which I'm pretty sure is the first time they ever actually say the word patrol on it screen. Is. It is. And if it was me, though, attacking Buffy, I wouldn't announce it. You know, I would just do it. Like, whatever. Do what you want to do. But I wouldn't announce it. It was like, like this, and then he did it. I wouldn't say anything. I'd do it in the middle of my sentence so it would catch her off guard. I don't think it would, though. Giles isn't very good at it. (laughs) But he does make a good point that since they have downtime, she should be practicing, she should be keeping sharp. But she's pretty annoyed because she doesn't get a social life. Ever. Ever. And she's 16 years old. Just wants to be a teen. And she says, it's kind of hard to stick vampires when you're having fuzzy feelings towards one. At first, second, I thought Giles was going to give her like a heart-to-heart yeah. like, about all this. But then he just kind of gets annoyed and puts his foot down. He seemed fatherlike for a second. And then he's like, here's a hard fact of life. We all have to do things we don't like. Hand-to-hand this afternoon, patrolling tonight, no dawdling with your friends. Which, whoa. And she pouts. <laughs> so he's like, that won't work. So she pouts harder. <laughs> she has a really good puppy dog eyes face and he's like it's not getting to me but you can tell it totes is yeah and after school Buffy is going out of her way to dawdle with her friends that little <laughs> she is trying her hardest she's the, she's dawdling more than necessary <laughs> and Cordelia bumps into Willow for no reason as she walks past like, I'm assuming it's residual blind spots from her temporary blindness in episode three. <laughs> I don't think so. But a car squeals up, and Cordy starts talking to the college hunks inside. I'm assuming these are the aforementioned extraterrestrials. And I feel like one's the guy from before. I kind of think so. They all kind of look the same to me. But the guy from the start of the episode? Either way, he's played by Greg Vaughn, who I swear he's typecast as starring alongside Charisma Carpenter. Because this is his second role with her, and after this he did another role with her as the romantic interest. Weird. I don't like the other dude in the car. Tom is his name. And something about his face or his hairline well, you t- Tom is really, a char- really bugs me. He's a charming mother <laughs> But they, they invite Cordy to a frat party, and she does her obnoxious laugh. Oh my god, it's so obnoxious. <laughs> and uh Do- like dr debbie what have you done you've created a monster yeah it would i would have driven off i'd get so mad and just leave <laughs> but a uh, creepy dude tom is staring at buffy what do you mean creepy so he's like legitimately super charming and so they're like cordelia you gotta introduce us to your friend she's like she's not my friend they're like she's amazing Ooh. okay she's- that's creepy She's more like a sister, we're that close. <laughs> and besides the purposely bad laughing, I really do like Christmas acting in this scene. 
Like, it's really, like, really good comedic timing. But Buffy and the gang finalize their plans to watch more Indian TV tonight. Uh, <laughs> Xander will bring the Beetle Nuts. Which, I don't know what that is, but I don't like the sounds of it. Well, it actually sounds like an awesome time with friends. Like, watch random stuff you don't understand and eat Beetle Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but Cordelia snags Buffy away from dawdling to, uh, to dawdle with her. And frat boy Richard introduces himself to Buffy. She's not interested at all. She's, like, She's not charming. He's like playing hard to get. And then Tom, no, Richard, I think you're playing easy to resist. And maybe that's a good line. Everything this dude says is a good line. I mean, to me, I'm not a teenage girl, but it worked on me, damn it. And I, it worked when I used it on myself in the mirror. Like, it's... But I feel like the line is poorly delivered. It was poorly written. I can't imagine it said any other way. But I didn't like how he said it. You so, just don't like Tom. He rubs me the wrong way. I think it's his receding hairline. He's, he's dreamy. He's got beautiful eyes. <laughs> but he says, here I stand in all my doltishness. And he introduced himself as Tom Warner. What a Tom foolish name. I'm warning you. That's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> I'm just going to make fun of this guy whenever I can because I don't like his face. I do like his face, and I'm going to defend it with <laughs> yes. all my might. Are you a senior here? Junior. Me too, except I'm a senior and I'm in college. That's not smooth. That's totally smooth. It's also creepy because of the age gap. That's a five-year age gap. That's extra illegal. I mean, like... <laughs> You could say, like, oh, what he's 85 and she's 80, but they're not yet. So, but Xander's sure Buffy's going to walk away. Okay, Boots, start a walking. If you don't know that song, by the way, you're broken. It was on the soundtrack to... Don't say it. <laughs> to the Dukes of Hazard, sung by Jessica Simpson. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the second Shrek movie. I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> but he says that he's only he's not friends with Richard, really. He only joined the frat because family tradition and blah, blah, small talk, forehead, blah, blah. He's dreamy. <laughs> he invites Buffy out, but she smartly declines. Smartly. Yeah, she says she's involved. Yeah, and Giles comes out. He's extra now. <laughs> but Buffy escapes. The frat freaks. I wonder if he thinks that she's involved with Giles. Oh, and Xander's like, I hate these guys. Don't you hate these guys? Willow's like, yeah, with their charmed lives and movie star good looks and tons of money. I'm hating. <laughs> so later in the library, Giles goes to attack Buffy. But she wins, like, instantly. And what else is new, really? <laughs> I laughed, because he literally takes, like, two seconds and then he gives up. He's like, yeah, uh, okay, patrol tonight. Uh, that's good for today. <laughs> so outside, Buffy is patrolling. And this is the first time she's gone patrolling for, with no kind of purpose behind it. Just patrolling for the sake of keeping... And I imagine she does it often, but you just never see it. Right. And she finds part of a bracelet on the ground. And the angel creeps out of nowhere and tells her that there's blood on it. Because he can smell it. It's creepy. That must suck, too. Like, 
Because he probably constantly is smelling blood in varying intensities all day long. Then, I can like, smell the blood in your veins, Buffy. That's such a turn on. <laughs> Who needs Todd? Tom. 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 He's, He's dreaming. Like him. <laughs> but, but this is such an awkward encounter between Buffy and Angel. Yeah, because she takes this opportunity to try and ask him out. And it just goes badly. <laughs> Are you saying you want a date? No. So you don't want a date. Who said date? I never said date. Right, you just want to have, I don't know, coffee or something. <laughs> and, but he tells her it's a bad idea. He grabs her all rough-like, which intimidating. And tells her that it's not just some fairy tale. When I kiss you, you won't wake from a deep sleep and live happily ever after. She says, no, when you kiss me, I want to die, which... It's really confusing to me. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's not a compliment. It's not... Is she, hmm, is she saying, like, like, she wants to be a vampire with him forever? Or is she saying, like, she wants to die? Like, make me want to die! Like, like, she just wants to... She wants to be deceased. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because she can't be with him? I thought about it. It's an icon. It's like one of those lines that like you see all over like Tumblr GIF sets of and stuff, and people always swooning over it. And it, you know, I maybe maybe I'm jaded, <laughs> but I don't get it. I don't know. Is it some like? Is that scene goth porn? <laughs> but either way, she books it and leaves him pondering if he just got burned or not. <laughs> Later, after class, Cordelia flanks Buffy with unnecessary compliments. <laughs> and then, you know, all right, I respect you too much to lie. <laughs> is, is this the first episode where it's like this? Because I swear Cordelia's hair got shorter and darker. Because it was much longer and like it had like blonde highlights in it earlier. I don't pay attention as much as you do to her hair. Whatever. Cordelia asked Buffy to go to the frat party. Uh, but she was too busy really listening to really listening to really listen to Richard. And she doesn't know why Buffy has to go. <laughs> but she knows all she knows is that she can only go if Buffy goes. And she's like, this is Richard Anderson of Anderson Farms, Anderson Aeronautics, and more importantly, Anderson Cosmetics. Because so Cordelia really? is just shallow. Yeah, she likes farms. <laughs> she's like Buffy these guys are rich and I'm not being shallow think of all the poor people I could help with all my money <laughs> but Buffy does actually agree to go and do you think that's because of Angel I know it's established later in the episode why she decides but at this point were you thinking like this is because of Angel and she doesn't think things will work out with him or is it because she actually has a thing for Todd the Tom. creeper <laughs> he has nice eyes that's why that's your reason that's my reason. I don't know her reason. <laughs> but Bobby's, or Cordelia says, it's like we're sisters with a very different hair. <laughs> and then we cut to the D, the DZ, DZKs if you're Canadian, DZKs if you're American, Delta Zeta Kappa, doing a pledge. And DZK sounds like a hip-hop group. DZ. <laughs> D, DZK. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're branding some dude. <laughs> And they're pledging their life and death to Makita. And fun fact about Makita, David Greenwald wrote this whole episode around the idea of that name, which he thought he made up. But in fact, is actually a brand name of drills that the builders, the set builders were carrying. 
and just subconsciously implanted itself. Now, how awesome would it be to be Makita? Like Seriously, a, dr- a drill? No, like, cause look at this. We're in, we're on the Hellmouth, so demons are like insanely common. They're so run of the mill. They're like it's like fifty percent of Sunnydale's population. This guy has a cult worshiping him. <laughs> I mean, how good that would feel. He's just like I'm sure there's like a hundred demons the same species as Makita, and they just they assume that worshiping him is gonna get them money and fame and fortune and all that stuff. So they just do it. And he's like, <laughs> "All right, I'm flattered. Thanks, guys." <laughs> but uh, they start chanting in his name, in his name, like cults always chant the same thing at the same time. It's a trope. But then they break the trope with brewski time, and they all kind of throw back their hoods and start slinging beers around. It's easily one of the douchiest things that has ever happened. Ever. And Richard Asterson goes to the girl tied up, whose name is Callie, and he's like, what's a girl like you doing in a place like this? And refuses to let her go. And he's all creepy, like, God, I love high school girls. And goes back to the party, and ugh. Ugh. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> Later, Willow asks Buffy why she changed her mind on the frat party, and she confirms it. It's Angel, not Tom. And she says she's going with Cordelia, and Willow kind of, she's like, you're going with Cordelia? Did I sound jealous? <laughs> Xander gets all sassy, like, I don't think so. Well, he says Cordelia's a much better fit for her than Angel is. <laughs> And Buffy's upset that Angel barely talks to her and treats her like a child, because at least Tom can carry on a conversation. Or in Xander's response, frying pan, fire. But let's see. Angel treats Buffy like a child. So, how old is he again? Old. 240? Something like that. And she's 16? So She is a child to him. So let's see. In four years, she will be... He'll be 12 times her age. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, in their one interaction ever, Tom rambled on and on and on. So that's not an ideal trait. That's not a, at least he can carry on a conversation, because he didn't. He just kept talking. But it was a cute kind of rambling. The kind that, like, all, like, the... Every, like... Uh, <laughs> every attractive guy in Buffy's life, that, every guy that she gets attracted to, is, like, a rambler. Except... Is there either rambler or dark and brooding? I'm a rambler, and it's not an ideal trait. <laughs> but in the library, Giles is practicing a sword play, and he's walked in on by the gang because they always walk in on him at the weirdest times. What if someone else did? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I didn't see you three creeping about as he like tosses the sword into the to the restricted section. And Buffy shows Giles the bracelet. It, says, it spells out E-N-T. So it was clearly owned by a tree creature. <laughs> uh, Xander, that's a Lord of the Rings reference if you didn't get it. They're called ants. But Xander suggests Buffy patrols to find out what happened. And Giles agrees. But Buffy lies. She says she's not feeling well and neither is her mom. Like, Buffy, how could you lie so straight-faced to poor little Giles? Yeah, what did he ever do to you except push you really hard? He's like, why is he okay with this? Like, I expected, like, oh, I don't care if you're sick. Vampires don't take sick days. But he's like, oh, you're sick. Chill. Okay. Well, if that's the case. 
So Buffy's pretty upset that Buffy lied. Buffy's upset that Buffy lied. Not Willow's really. upset. I was just protecting him from information he might not be able to digest properly. <laughs> Xander responds like a corn dog, which why is that his first thought? It's like he gets me. <laughs> but Willow's concerned that there'll be an orgy there at the party. Which there probably will be. I've been to these college parties. I've never been to a college have I been to a college party? I don't know. There were probably orgies. But Buffy says just every once in a while she wants to have fun. And we cut to Cordelia telling Buffy she can't have fun. <laughs> because this is her duty. It's not fun. It's her job to go. <laughs> so runs down some do's and don'ts. Don't wear black. Don't wear silk. Don't wear chiffon or spandex. Because those are Cordelia's trademarks. Which, spoiler, she wears black. <laughs> and she says, don't do that weird thing with your hair. What weird thing? Don't interrupt. <laughs> do be interested if someone speaks to you and do be polite do lie to your mom about where we're going i like how on the table here there's an orange and a banana but it's like it's obviously somebody's lunch but it's way out of reach from both buffy and cordelia like i feel like some some set dresser like panicked like he's like it looks so empty and he just slapped down some fruit Or maybe there was a deleted scene where some kid was sitting there and Cordelia's just like, move, and he... (laughs) That's very possible as well. But Xander and Willow show up with some vending machine snacks and make fun of Cordelia. And Cordelia says, oh, Xander, you could belong to a frat of rich and powerful men in a bizarro world, which... That's a common reference, more so nowadays, but it's a reference to Superman. Bizarro. The bizarro world. And... Cordelia gives Buffy fantastic makeup advice. Give it your all and keep to the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) Erstwhile. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Erstwhile, Willow's still upset that Buffy lied while she wears her her hippie flower jeans. There's another best friend moment without vocalizing it. Willow and Xander give each other the other half of their their respective Coca-Cola and chocolate bar. Like, without even saying anything, just they're, like, halfway through and they just trade. I love it. Xander gets the better end of it, though. Why? Because he gets to wash down he his chocolate bar He gets to wash down his coke. chocolate bar. And now Willow's got, like, a weird sticky throat for the rest of the day. <laughs> but Xander says he's going to crash the party. And Willow's like, you want to protect her? Mm-hmm. I keep her away from those snotty guys? Mm-hmm. Maybe catch an orgy? If it's on early... <laughs> There's really great jokes in this episode, I find. I swear, though, Willow's wearing a candy necklace in this scene. <laughs> Maybe. But anyway, we cut to the party, and this me- this scene right here made me laugh so hard when I first saw it. The first two times. Just Cordy squeals out of nowhere and crashes into a car on the street. <laughs> and then complains, I hate it when they park so darn close to you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense because he wasn't parked in the first place. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Me too, let's go. <laughs> and she's wearing black, which so, was a no-no. Yeah, so let's talk about their outfits because Cordelia is not wearing any of her trademarks. <laughs> and Buffy's wearing black, which is a Cordelia trademark. <laughs> I feel like the wardrobe person didn't read the script. <laughs> Or party scene, need party outfits. 
Yeah, that's very, very possible. But isn't there, like... Hmm. <laughs> Do you think their job would be to make sure things like this line up? Yeah, it's such a... You don't just pick clothes off a shelf and be like, there you go. <laughs> it's such a jerky party, though. Like, I never went to parties in college or anything like that. I never wanted to. I went I... to one party like this. I feel I like they're like this. I've been to one that was legitimately like this. It was the last one I ever went to, to be perfectly honest. But uh, Richard shows up. He hands them both bevies with just a smidge of alcohol. And don't give in to the peer pressure, Buffy. You're he bent. says the worst line ever. And she's like, oh, you know, no thanks. He's like, oh, I remember when I wasn't into grown-up things either. Yeah, what? Oh, that... That's not endearing. That's not like... That's just dickish. Like, and the, like... We... I am a young adult. I am, you know, and I'm above the legal drinking age everywhere in the world. Less people I know drink now than they did in high school. I've never, ever in my life seen drinking as a grown-up thing. It seems most, I mean, like, drinking at a party seems almost like, just like a high school thing. <laughs> like, Yeah. So he's, he's like, well, I remember I wasn't into grown-up things either. It's not a. No one associates drinking at a party with as a grown-up thing. No, drinking at like adult events, football games, social gathering. But at a at a party where people are flipping beer cups, that's not an adult. <laughs> but anyway, they leave Buffy by herself, and meanwhile Xander sneaks through the window dressed like a frat boy. <laughs> he falls on his ass and then bounces up with like without missing a beat. Is smoothly mm. into grabbing a little jello shooter right yeah. in the span of a few seconds. I got those guys that are dressed like cocktail waitresses, <laughs> like with little bow ties. They have pledge written on them, on signs yeah. on their chest. Well, they're dressed like little French maids or something. <laughs> Xander drinks his drink so casually. Like, I'd expect like high school kids sputtering. Like, I know he did drink earlier in Teacher's Pet, but you'd ex- you don't think he'd be such a drinker already. <laughs> he's a 16-year-old. Either way, he's lured away by orders, <laughs> chasing after a pledge. But Buffy's bummed by all this nonsense, so she drinks to impress a guy. Just like a little sippy. And drunk college dude tries to... Rusher, <laughs> yeah, like football tackle. Yeah, for a dance, but but a sweet creeper sweeper, Tom pulls her out of it. He just like he can have this dance, boom, and just swings her into a dance. Like, the song playing here is called "Bring Me On" by Act of Faith, and he calls the dude the Hulk, which is a cool reference. <laughs> but he says because we're not all about did the Avengers. <laughs> See? Slayer dreams. He said, we're not all a bunch of drunken louts. Some of us are sober louts. But he, he realizes Buffy's bummed because she has obligations. But he says she's just being too mature. He, he says, well, the Hulk's gone, so you don't have to dance with me. Which but, is nice of him. But Buffy's like, he might come back. Just like that. No. First Owen, now this guy. I I shipped both of them though. Buffy, I was like, they're nice guys. She's got a thing for oversensitive guys. Like, Buffy just has a thing for guys who say really charming things to her and 
aren't undead. <laughs> or or are. <laughs> but Xander's catching the attention of the frat boys with his Godzilla jokes. But not good attention, not sexy attention, like the girls that he's talking to. And they call him out on being a crasher, so new pledge, new pledge. And they drag him out. He's not a pledge. Nope. He never said he wanted to be there or wanted to be in the frat. Outside, Buffy goes up for some air and finds some broken glass. So she's immediately suspicious, even though it's a frat party and it's broken all the time. (laughs) And... I don't know. The Richard comes up. He says some rich, rich guy things. Richard guys. They have Richard a toast guy. to maturity. And Richard the rich guy. And they have a toast to maturity. And Bobby says, "What the hell? I'm tired of being mature." And and she takes a sip, which is supposed to be the big like oh, Buffy, tar- Buffy drag. But she, I swear to God, she took a sip earlier in the episode. Unless she was faking it. But either way, stop drinking, Buffy. You're young and impressionable, and I don't like that one bit. It's, you're acting like it's uncommon for 16-year-olds to drink. I don't think the Slayer should drink. I feel it unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> At the library, I have absolutely no idea what program Willow's using, but her and Giles are trying to solve this Ent problem with <laughs> some sort of prehistoric search Dots. engine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's saying bent, sent, went, that kind of thing, trying to figure out what it starts with. But Willow realizes it's Kent. Without the use of her searching. Yeah. So I don't know what that did, what the search engine was for. Yeah, Kent for Kent Prep School, which is out of town. Can Giles ever be the one to figure it out? Yeah, he's just there. He's not that helpful. So Willow pulls up their school newsletter and missing girl Callie. Oh, shit. But the thing is, her name's Callie Anderson. Right? Anderson Farms? Anderson Aeronautics? Did, Anderson Cosmetics? I can't believe nobody caught that when they made this episode. Because I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, they're going to reveal they're related or something. And they never do. Yeah, it's like... You, you have, like, what, ten characters in this episode? And most of them are established as series regulars? So you have, like, what, five last names to come up with? And you don't even need to come up with last names? And you came up with two Andersons? <laughs> But seriously, Sunnydale newsletters have to be the most depressing thing ever. Another horde slaughtered. <laughs> We're at the party now. Xander's got a wig, a bra, and makeup on. He's being forced to dance. He's getting paddled, too. <laughs> and but Buffy's Stumbelina. She's about ready to pass out. After yeah, She can't handle her liquor. <laughs> one drink. Yeah, she heads upstairs. And she lays down on the bed and passes out. So pretty, I feel, though I don't think it's confirmed, but I'm pretty sure she got roofied. And, and that's also like not a safe place to be. No. Passed out in a bed alone in a college dorm. Yeah. So frat jerk face Richard turns the corner. He's going to take advantage of her. But Tom pushes him away. It's like, she's not here for your fun, you pervert. She's here for the pleasure of the one we serve. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes for the other one too. Good old Tom. <laughs> so that goes for the other one too. And hey, Cordy's here. Passed it on the floor, which Buffy didn't see. Somehow, but so pretty evident they got roofied. Um, also, kind of metaphoric, metaphorical. Yeah, I felt this was kind of heavy-handed. 
Yeah, like not only is drinking bad, like don't party with college kids. Like, yeah, don't you know for like going to like a a college frat party and getting your drink spiked and stuff like that. But then you know they end up. But it's where, not even yeah, it's not even like supernatural heavy handed. It's just real stuff that could happen. Yeah, it feels like the whole because Buffy's all like natural problems and inserting demons into them it's felt like too much <laughs> 80% natural 20% demon but either way it's a real problem in real life but yeah, uh, by cults, I called Tom being a jerk face from he's the beginning he's still not though he's they're sacrificing them yeah, but sacrificing her as a as a virgin and not a rape victim. Well, yeah, true. He's a good guy. <laughs> At the library, Callie Anderson's been missing. And nobody knows anything about her. So Giles is going to call Buffy for info, but Willow stops him. Because she's a good friend, even though she disapproves. Dispro- dis- disapproves, yeah. She finds more victims, though. Keep disappearing every year, almost to the day, for the past 100 years, since 1897. So does that death count 100? <laughs> because we don't know how many people were sacrificed each year. We, we I say we count it if we know it. We don't. We yeah. know that people have died. We can assume that a lot of people have died, and we don't know when. We could go with the minimum. We go human death count a hundred, and then put a little plus. <laughs> but it's not in this episode. It's just mentioned over the course of a hundred years. That doesn't count. So Willow suggests they call Angel instead of Buffy. Meanwhile, the frat boys are making fun of Xander again, and they lock him out. Now, in this light, with that wig on, you're still but ugly. Yeah, the Hulk says that. <laughs> underneath, under not underneath, but underground. Underneath <laughs> Xander's bronze skirt. Buffy and Cordelia wake up to find Callie next to them. And they're like, well, when are we going to go home? And Callie says, no one's going home. One of these guys is different from the others. He's nicer. So cue Tom carved up with Harley Quinn diamonds all over his body. And he says Buffy's last. So, of course, what Cordelia cares about is who's first. Yeah. And Tom puts these three fancy stones in his hand and pours water on them, which they are pretty nice stones. Probably got them from a jeweler or something. It makes no sense as to what the hell he just did. It's, I don't know. They, they know that there's three stones for three of them. So, I don't know. It's not explained. It doesn't matter. But Cordelia says, why did I ever let you talk me into coming here? Which is very frustrating. I'm frustrated for you, Buffy. Yeah. Hey. Meanwhile, Angel's telling them all about the bracelet, but Willow's distracted by his his non-flexion. Yeah, how do you shave? The most brilliant question ever asked in this series. How do you shave? How does a vampire shave? That is a decent question. How does Spike bleach his hair? Like, these are questions that need to be answered. <laughs> I bet... Uh, Drusilla does it for him. No, she's not confident enough. <laughs> <laughs> but they decide to go to the frat house, and, but Willow spills the beans on the way there. She tells Angel that Buffy went there because Giles pushes her too hard and because Angel brushed her off. 
And she just tells them both off and she's like, I don't feel better now. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you never give her a break. She's 16 going on 40. And you, you're going to live forever. You don't have time for a coffee? <laughs> so clearly some repressed feelings here. It's kind of weird seeing Allison yell like that. But, yeah, okay, I don't feel better now. But we've got to help Buffy. And outside, Xander's kind of whining about how no matter how good he'll do, these people still be better. Which is true. Which is true. Uh, until he sees that Cordelia's car is still here with her Queen C license plate. Fantastic. Now, underground Tom is starting a ritual to summon Makita at the drill. And these are classic serial killer tropes, Buffy. Why'd you fall for him? What what is a classic serial killer trope? Oh, he was the nicest guy. He would never Being do anything. Nice? Yeah. Being... <laughs> he was nice. You should have known he was a serial killer. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of a little guy named Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think okay, I'm not a nice I'm not a nice of a guy. But you're a kind of a nice guy. Okay, that's a bad so example because yeah, you you're are a serial killer. <laughs> but uh, Tom confirms that they're rich and awesome because of their sacrifices. Which I don't really think is true. Because it's a demon. It's just a demon. But, uh, man, some people do anything for a little power. Would you? Would I do this? Would you do this? I guess. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, everyone starts chanting Makita, Makita, Makita. Probably not like that. I don't remember how they chanted. As Buffy's trying to break free. And I swear one dude in the back keeps saying Makita. <laughs> <laughs> so he's fired. Is it like off time for everyone else? <laughs> Makita, 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 Makita. <laughs> the thing comes out. It's a reptile boy. It's also Robin Atkin Downs. Yeah. The voice actor Robin Atkin Downs in his first role in anything ever. And it's as a creature that doesn't talk. Yeah. It looks creepy. The makeup on it's not bad. Pretty but, like, good. This is, this is like, this guy's from The Last of Us. He's from Metal Gear Solid. He's from Team Fortress 2. And, you know, like, you name a video game, this guy's in it. And then he's just. A silent creature. Yeah. It's weird. But yeah, really good reptile makeup. I think it's a mix of makeup and CG. It is, actually. They said that Makita was supposed to be a recurring villain, but the CGI aspect of it, of its long tail, was just a bitch to do, and they're like, no, let's we'll never bring him back again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they mentioned on the 10th day of the 10th month, he eats, which uh, I don't think is the day this episode aired. No, it aired on the 13th day of the 10th month. Which, uh, coincidentally, I'm, I got nothing. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, the 13th day was, I mean, the, it, airs on, it aired on Tuesdays. So the 13th day was a Tuesday. So that means it was totally like a Friday or whatever, or a Saturday. Buffy and Cordy are struggling as the game, the gang shows up, runs into Xander, who's already there. <laughs> are you wearing makeup? And he like, wipes it off. He's like, no. <laughs> But he had the brilliant idea. He stole a robe from a dumpster. And he's got the idea to try and sneak in. And 
Angel gets pretty pissed that they got Buffy, and he goes all vamp. Yeah, he vamps out. It's no, no, Angel. Yeah, you're not endearing these people to you by being a vampire. <laughs> I don't know, like... Like, I understand that it's his game phase. I mean, they talked about it in the finale. She tells him to go into his game phase, so it's the finale of season one. So do are they stronger when they have their vamp phase? Maybe. Or maybe they maybe. just can't control it when they get mad. Or I, maybe it's, like, human face. Because, you know, if you look at the vamps down below in season one of the cult, they're, like, always in vamp phase. So maybe human face is something that you have to actively do. Maybe. And so maybe that makes you not as strong as you could be when you're full vamp. I kind of feel... Well, Darla said something like that, I think. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. But, uh, yeah, Zendra's like, okay, that is the guy you want to party with. <laughs> Which isn't still true. But uh, Buffy convinced Makita to not go after Cordy uh, by smack-talking him. So Tom smacks Buffy. Like a gentleman. A, yeah, he's such a good guy. <laughs> he's a speaker. I don't know guy. why you're hating on him. You still don't? <laughs> but he's a speak again and I'll cut your throat. Which is raw. Quirky. <laughs> <laughs> but uh meanwhile Xander gets them gets the frat boys to let him in and then him and Angel punch some dudes out, which is awesome. Some raw punches. I keep saying raw. You do keep saying I raw. didn't start saying raw until I started doing this podcast. I don't know why. Just when I'm typing in my notes, I end up writing raw because it's three letters. It's easy. <laughs> but uh, good for you, Xander. But Buffy finally gets free downstairs as the other baddies go upstairs to check on the commotion. And she starts to fight. And man, Makita looks really bad when they zoom out. So I take it back because it's the tail when they forgot to CG it. It's just a dude suspended by wires in a bunch of dog tunnels. <laughs> yeah. But Xander's going after the frat boys upstairs. He's taking out his frustrations on them. But Willow's like, hey, Buffy downstairs, snake, come help. Downstairs, Tom takes a rush at Buffy and Buffy has a great line. Tom, you talk too much. Which is not true. It's very true. And she knocks him out. And as Makita tries to get Buffy, she slices him with the sword. Super gross. Demon death count one. There goes his tail. And Cordelia's like, you did. You saved us. And she turns and hugs Angel. (laughs) (laughs) Unexpected. She's like, I hate you guys. The weirdest things always happen when you're around. It's true. And they mentioned, she mentions the frat boy, like, I hope you get 15,000 years in jail. But I'm like, what would they charge these guys for? Demon sacrifice? But I think they do get arrested. They do. They absolutely do. But uh, Giles turns Buffy's lie into a lesson. But he does, like, he does apologize for driving her too hard. I guess cults are real and illegal. I, I think they're, they're illegal. Illegal. No, I don't think they're illegal. I think they were attempting to sacrifice human beings are illegal and kidnapping. Marginally. And... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the bronze, Jonathan. Remember Jonathan? Yeah. We're going to say do. that every time we see him, I swear. Remember uh, him? He brings Cordelia a muffin and a coffee. And but Cordelia's like, did we forget anything? And yeah, he forgot the extra foam. Yes, you f*** up. 
But uh, Cordelia <laughs> stops by the gang and says, young men are the only way to go. Which, Jonathan, she's not going to go for you. Give it up. You're too short. <laughs> but uh, yeah, reading the paper, all the frat boys have been con- sentenced to consecutive life sentences because they did find the bones of girls down there. But they can't pin it on them. Well, they can. <laughs> <laughs> and all the former frat boys are suddenly uh, not so fortunate. They're losing stocks, their companies are crashing, they're killing themselves in boardrooms. That is coincidental. <laughs> Xander's sickly pleased with all this, but uh, <laughs> they're talking about Angel, like Willow and Buff, Buffy are talking about Angel, and Xander's like, Angel, 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 does every conversation have to come back to that freak? Hey man, because <laughs> Angel's right there. And I love how it's not even like a, he was trying to play it cool. No, like, he oh, didn't oh hey, man. No, he just, it's like he didn't care that Angel heard him. And then he's like, that freak, hey, man. <laughs> and then Buffy, Angel, Xander. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of calls himself. And then Angel invites Buffy up for coffee, and she'll let him know. And then she walks away to the band Louis Says. What's she walk like? Why is she walking away to do what? <laughs> she's playing it cool. Like she's there with her friends already, and she's like <laughs> going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Half to powder my nose. Do you want punch? I'm broke. <laughs> you want to spot I love, me? <laughs> I love how I'm just not okay with the idea of Makita having any actual powers. Why? How like. It's like, oh, people are committing suicide and stocks are plummeting. It'll be a placebo effect. <laughs> I'm just not willing to accept the fact that demons exist in this world. But they don't. In, no, in the, in the Buffyverse. No, you loved a demon that possessed a computer. He was a robot. <laughs> and loved the demon. <gasps> But, uh, yeah, this episode, it wasn't a great episode. It wasn't awful. It definitely wasn't memorable. No. It did have some good jokes, but not even very memorable ones. And Robin Atkin Downs was a bizarre cameo. Yeah. Like, but that, He's so great as a voice actor. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think one thing that's also cool is that Nagas, which are half-snake half men creatures that live underground are common common motifs in Indian lore. And Indian movies are a common theme in this episode. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. And also those three stones, I didn't see it happen, but did they toss those into the, the little pool to try and get Makita to come out? I'm assuming know. they did. Anyway, I think it's time. I think it's time. So David Greenwald's little baby... Reptile Boy, what would you give it, Clairvoyant? Um, this episode wasn't memorable then. It wasn't memorable now. It wasn't garbage. Like It wasn't absolutely terrible, but I'm not going to remember it. So I'm, I'm struggling between a 2 and a 2.5 because I'd say 2.5 because it's not terrible, but... I can't stress enough that this is not going to stick out in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I went the exact same way. It's a toss-up between 2 and 2.5. And I actually agreed on 2.5 as well. It's it's not memorable. It's okay. But it doesn't stick out at all. Um, 
And it's got some plot threads that don't really come, like Xander being jealous of the rich kids, Cordelia wanted college kids. Like, it just seemed like the whole thing was a setup to have a college party. Yeah, I feel like, um, as far as episodes that don't advance the plot, like this one, this episode, it probably advances the plot itself the least out of almost every episode ever in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, because it sets up Buffy and Angel asking each other out to date, but that's about it. Yeah, and that's just as far as the, the overarching plot of the season. Just at the end, just a bam, and the rest of the episode is just filler. Yeah, uh, and by the end we got a demon death count one, human death count of seven thousand, possibly. Human death count of four billion. Not to mention the guys that killed themselves in the boardrooms. Weeden vs. Podcast rating, 2.5 out of 5 stakes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 6, Halloween. Written by Carl Ellsworth. Directed by Bruce Seth Green. Original air date, October 27th, 1997. Welcome to a very special part two of this episode of the Weedonverse podcast. Now, Mr. Universe, what exactly makes this special? Uh, well, I was just about to ask you because you said it was very special and I wasn't prepped. So, <laughs> No, I'm asking you because I don't know. Okay. Uh, what makes this special is this episode that we're doing, Halloween, uh, was written by a freelance writer, not one of the regular writers. Oh, that is special. Carl Ellsworth. Um, you and I found out yesterday, or the other day. What did you find out, Clairvoyant? I found out that uh, Katie Holmes turned down the role of Buffy. So, this episode, costume designer Cynthia Bergstrom, who was the costume designer at this era, said that this episode's her favorite, probably because it's a Halloween episode, so she gets to do costumes. I wasn't done talking about the Katie Holmes story. Continue. So Katie Holmes turned down the role of Buffy, and so did Selma Blair, actually. So really? imagine that. I can't. Imagine, like, like Selma, Riff, and, like, Ryan Reynolds. That's a complete different show. <laughs> and um, one thing that's interesting is Selma Blair actually was in a different show with Sarah Michelle Gellar, and they kissed on screen, and Sarah Michelle Gellar said it was her favorite on-screen kiss ever despite the fact that she's kissed her husband on screen many times. Wow. So Sorry, Freddy. Yeah.
So this episode starts with Giles's previously on thing, not not his uh, in every generation, but a previously on speech. Which means it's got to be a good episode because if like that mantra has so far always been true. If we say if it's got a previously on, it'll be good. So far, we've never been wrong. So we start with a just a shot of a jack o' lantern, which uh, I mean it's Halloween, so you know what's gonna happen. Do you think that they skipped a week so this episode could be their Halloween episode? Because this was aired on the Tuesday before Halloween, but the last one was two weeks before this episode. It's very possible. It happens all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we see a jack-o'-lantern, and of course, when you see a jack-o'-lantern, you think someone's going to come smash it. And Buffy... Oh, you could, maybe you got a you got a violent mind there, Clairvoyant. That was the first thing, like, you see it just sitting there. And it's a long shot of just a jack-o'-lantern. You think someone's going to come stomp it or throw it? I think it's going to wink at me. Why? Because <laughs> I've got a pure mind. <laughs> anyway, Buffy smashes through it with her entire body because she's hardcore. Not and on purpose. <laughs> turns out she's actually fighting a vampire in a pumpkin patch. Bob's, I believe it said it was. Something like that. Or Pop's pumpkin patch, I think it said. Ooh, Pop's. And so she's just, her and this vamp are, I don't know where there's a, where or why there's a pumpkin patch in Sunnydale, but they're, they're just going at it, beating each other up. And another vampire is off in the shadows filming it. Pumpkin, LA doesn't seem very... Pumpkin-y. Pumpkin-y. Maybe no. I'm wrong. I've never been there, but it doesn't seem like... You, you have been there. I've never lived there. It doesn't seem very, I don't know. I don't think they have seasons there. <laughs> Just True. warm all the time. We had another vampire is filming. With a low uh, battery. He needs to work that shit out. And also his makeup. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but it bugged me a lot. It's really it's, purple and yellow and greeny. It's so splotchy. It's just bad. It's, yeah. Maybe they thought the camera would obscure it so they didn't I do it. I think it was the lighting that made it look that way, but it didn't look good. No. And so she stakes the original vamp, which is a vamp death count of one. With a, with a sign that she pulls out of the ground. Yeah. And the second one kind of just slinks off into the shadows. Yeah, his camera probably died. <laughs> and then we get the theme song. <laughs> and then we cut to the bronze. Where, uh... Shy is playing. The song Shy by Epperly. I wrote Poor Man's Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's also fair. Kind of sounds like Dingo's and My Babies also, which is Four Star Mary. Yeah, it did kind of sound like Dingo's, but I didn't think it was. And so Angel is sitting there at a table waiting for Buffy at the bronze. He's dressed really brightly, which... I know, light means, colors are just... They're not his thing, and it bugs me. Which means one thing, because if... Cordelia's going to hit on him? If we, yeah, we go by the fact that if there's a previously on, it's going to be good. The other fact... That we can assume to be true. If Angel's wearing bright clothing, Cordelia's going to hit on him. I noticed that. <laughs> it's only the episodes where he wears like stuff where I point out that doesn't look like something he would wear at all. So, of course, Cordelia comes and sits down with him. Yeah, she's waiting for Devin, uh, who's blown off their date. And they're, they're just making small talk, chatting. Uh, and then Buffy does come up, and she sees Angel laughing at Cordelia's not-that-funny joke. I don't understand because it does not seem it's such a superficial joke like these oh my Barbie dream car has better leather seats doesn't seem like the kind of thing Angel would laugh at 
Yeah, you. I don't just, think he's ever laughed for Buffy, let alone at these dumb, superficial jokes. Yeah, and it. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like he's laughing to be nice either. It sounds like he just no. it tickled him. Maybe just something caught his funny bone. <laughs> I don't he know. Thought it was funny. I really and, like in the background the stupid little ghost and spiderweb decorations all over the bronze. Yeah, you got to be Halloweeny. And so Angel or Buffy sees Angel laughing at Cordelia's joke and just turns away. She's like, "Nah, I'm out." Bye. And Angel spots her and he stops her. Um, Cordelia joins him and immediately starts insulting her for looking ratty, which I didn't think she looked at all. No, she just had like a leaf in her hair, and that's it. And, uh, you know, Angel says she looks fine, and she says, oh, you're sweet, but you're a bad liar. And just totally blows off the date. Yeah. She just decides, no, I'm the Slayer, and Slayers don't get to date. It, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because um, Cordelia says her hair screams street urchin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Cordelia shows up with a cappuccino. And, yeah, continues to hit on Angel as Buffy leaves. So the next day at school, uh, Principal Snyder is uh, volunteering people. He's drafting kids. <laughs> yeah, he's forcing people to volunteer to take uh, youngsters trick-or-treating. And he, of course, approaches Buffy and just has her all wrong. <laughs> yeah, Halloween must be a big night for you, tossing eggs, keying cars, one cry for help after another. Which oh is... my god, that's such a raw thing for a principal to say to a kid. Raw? That's my raw of the episode. <laughs> uh, also, I noticed Willow's locker says in big, giant letters, fire hose inside. What? On the outside. It's got a big sticker that says fire hose inside on it. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, he forces Buffy and then the rest of the gang to uh, volunteer. By extension. They yeah. get drafted by extension. And Xander's is absolutely not willing to dress up, which I found really un-Xander. Yeah, and he says one day he's going to tell Snyder what he thinks of him, which, spoiler, he does at one point. And, um, does, I, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure we'll get to that, but I don't recall. And yeah, costumes are mandatory, so nobody's too pleased, because Buffy was going to just relax, because she reveals that Halloween is actually, ironically... The quietest night of the year for vampire and demon activity. Yeah, I think it's the vampires probably think like, oh, it's too commercialized. <laughs> like they, you know, they feel it's. Uh, I feel they think them. they're better than that. Like they feel. I think they like to go out and be the only scary thing out. And on days like that, when people come out, they they see all these other kids in costumes and think, I'm not special. <laughs> I think it's just they, they feel, you know, for a vampire to go on Halloween, they would feel like this is, a, you know, tacky, crass, lowbrow, you know, right. something along that line. Like, something like, it's like, nah, this isn't our night. <laughs> yeah. So, Xander says, those wacky vampires, that's why I love them. They keep you guessing. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Uh, so, then Xander goes to the soda machine, and Larry, uh, the school bully... Kind of slow uh, in the head. Yeah. Uh, you know, starts asking Xander about Buffy. I love how he tells Larry, looking crow mag as usual. I like how Xander's like, trying his hardest to get a Dr. Pepper. Like, he's banging on the button and nothing. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm like, I feel you, Xander. I love yeah. Dr. Pepper. I know exactly what Xander's... I know what's up. Um, but let's talk a bit about Larry, because he, he does recur. Uh, his name's Larry Blaisdell. He's a school bully. He's played by Larry Bagby Third. So who, Larry played by Larry. Yeah. And he went on to do some other things. He's, a, he's an actor and a musician. Uh, he went on to be in some soap operas, but you may recognize him from uh, Walk the Lion, where he is the upright bass player. He's a um, marshal. I don't. And he uh, he's, he's a, he plays a real person, like a real life person in that right. movie. But yeah, he's a he's a musician now. He looks super different. He looks like a country music singer. <laughs> but uh, they're fighting over Buffy because Xander basically says Larry has no chance. And Xander, some, he said he makes know, some lewd comments. What are you gonna do about it? And Xander's gonna—he's prepared to defend Buffy's honor before Buffy yeah. slams he's like something damn manly, and he grabs Larry by the shirt, which is not a smart move. So Larry goes to knock him out, but uh, yeah, Buffy slams him into the uh, soda machine and gets a diet Dr Pepper, <laughs> which wasn't even an option. <laughs> so. Apparently he was intimidated by her slayer strength and just spat out something they didn't stock. And, yeah. So, uh, Xander should be all grateful for saving his life, but... He's frustrated. Yeah, he, he feels it's going to hurt his reputation for the rest of his life. Makes him look like a coward. And something looks really different about Buffy in this episode. I don't know if it's her eyebrows. I think it might be. Are they on fleek? <laughs> <laughs> see so i don't know what's going on but something looks different maybe i'm just going crazy maybe i'm just looking too hard for things that look different maybe because you seem to notice it every episode maybe i'm just observant <laughs> like they look different they look one week older in this episode that's very true and so willow asks about the date with angel and buffy explains it and we get it a bit more from her point of view. It's not just because, oh, I'm the Slayer and I can't. It's also because she felt that she looked ugly and Cordelia was there and all that stuff. Which I kind of assumed, but it's good to lay it out concretely. Yeah. And so they're talking about uh, breaking into the library to do some dating recon on Angel. They were kidding, it seemed. But, but <laughs> too bad Giles keeps it locked up. And more importantly, it would be wrong. So we cut to a Charlie's Angels... <laughs> break in <laughs> yeah where they're just uh, sneaking into the library which you shouldn't I mean they go there all the time but Giles of course intercepts Buffy <laughs> Buffy excellent nothing hi <laughs> <laughs> and so then we get to uh, what must have been phase two of their plan or the uh, the backup plan where Buffy distracts Giles as Willow sneaks in yeah, she's wear Giles is wearing a cream colored sweater vest over top of a blue pinstripe suit, and it looks absolutely awful with a like a deep red tie too. It looks so bad. Just to envision that in your head, it's so bad. It looks with Giles, and so Buffy just you know says, "Hey, Miss Calendar says you were a babe." <laughs> and <laughs> she said, "You're a burning hunk of something or other," which is a possible reference to an Elvis song, "Burning Love," where he says, "A hunk of hunk of burning love." Maybe. Um, also, I want to point out, we pointed out that Miss Calendar was only a few, like, a, just slightly older than Nicholas Brendan. She's, like, two weeks older than Charisma Carpenter. That's crazy. Like, they were born in the same month. <laughs> that, so that's, yeah, Miss Calendar and Cordelia, born in the same month. Crazy. Weird. It's weird. And so, 
Yeah, Buffy's trying to distract Giles. Willow does get the book, and so Buffy just immediately stops and leaves. It leaves as fast as she came. Yeah, just boom, she's out. Isn't and Giles babe? just <laughs> so happy. He's like, a oh, babe, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> so Willow and Buffy are sitting on the sinks like some rebels in the girls' bathroom. Reading books. It's like uh, Bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and the reading books about uh, Angel's old 1800s flings or 1700s flings. Which, this does not work continuity-wise, because they read an old diary from 1775, how Angel's 18 and still human. But if you if you time everything he... out, that doesn't make any sense. And why would he be mentioned when he's human? He wasn't interesting when he was human. It was a diary, just that they found, of a girl that knew him. But he was 18 and still human in 1775. There's lots of records that put him at being sired at 1753, I believe it was. Uh, in the actual canon like continuity, that's when they kind of corroborate that it was. So he would not be 18, and he would not still be human. And also, given his birth date, he would have been sired when he was 48 years old, which... He's looking good for 48 years old forever. Yeah. So I don't know. It's all really... They, they, it was muddy with Angel's backstory. It's really messy, but let's just say the 1775 doesn't work. Yeah, I think Buffy was one of the shows that didn't really start out with a show bible off no, the bat. And so there was a lot, of, was a lot of mess. And so then Cordy shows up and starts asking about Angel... And well, it's, they... it's funny because they're trying to like to make Buffy feel better. They're making fun of this girl that Angel dated two hundred fifty years ago, like a, a drawing, drawing of, her. of her. And it's they said they don't know her name, but it clearly says right under the drawing like Sarah Goodfield or something like that. So they do know her name. Yeah, I I noticed it in the little brief picture it showed. And so yeah, Cordy shows up and starts asking about Angel, and they tell her that he's a vampire, and she doesn't believe them. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, isn't it weird that I never see him around? Not during the day. Oh, does he live at home? Does he have to wait for his parents to get home? Well, his parents have been dead for about a hundred years. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Cordelia, he's he's a vampire, and she's like, yeah, whatever. You're just jealous. <laughs> Jesh says that when it comes to dating, she's the slayer. Good luck. But this episode is generally accepted as the episode where Cordelia finds out that Angel's a vampire, and that's only because there is actually no episode where Cordelia, where we see Cordelia accept the fact that Angel's a vampire. It must be off-screen or something. She must think about it later and be like, yeah, yeah. he probably is. Because <laughs> in this one, she does not believe him, and then later she's, she accepts and is aware of that fact. So. I like how she says he's a Care Bear with fangs. He's a cuddly vampire. <laughs> So the gang has to uh, dress up for Halloween, so they head to the new costume shop in town, Ethan's, yeah. uh, where Willow is getting a sexy ghost costume. <laughs> Buffy tells her something that still stands up today, I believe, in the female culture, or not even just female, but really the culture of Halloween is it's the perfect chance for a girl to get sexy and wild with no repercussions. That's very yeah. much stands up still today. People just dress as the most free free like, things yeah like not because, just women either like there's male sexy costumes out there there's people that just wear stuff to cover their junk like 
Yeah, and like Halloween, I mean, it's a time to dress up and have fun. Some people are always like, you know, there's the people that are always like, oh, you girls dressed up in these slutty costumes, and there's the other ones where they're like, oh, yeah, I gotta be free with my body and do what you want. No one cares. People are gonna judge you either way. Have fun on Halloween, dress up. Last year, I opted for the worst costume I could think of, which is a big, uh, cheesy, glow-in-the-dark skeleton costume. Full body, complete with a mask. And fingers. But, so the other... Willow has this ghost costume, which is just... It's a big, big white sheet that says boo on it. And But Buffy says to her... Like, or Willow's response to Buffy's, you know, get sexy and wild. She's like, wild on me equals spaz. Which actually is cut out in the UK version of this episode because in the UK, spaz is an extremely offensive word. It yeah, means something very different. Very different. In in the US and North America, not not a bad word. It's just like a... It means like a... I don't even know how to define the word spaz. Hyperactive person or a crazy person. Yeah. A weird person. There's no real definite definition, I don't think. But Xander buys a $2 toy gun. <laughs> he's a $2 costume king because he's got a military outfit at home from the surplus store. Yeah, he's got some army fatigues. And so uh, Buffy and Xander have a big touching moment where they apologize <laughs> to each other. I didn't even think he was really upset at her to begin with, let alone here. Like, I feel like it's all just kind of like a joke. Half joke. About what happened with Larry earlier. Yeah. And so Buffy spies the most beautiful dress from 1775. Which, I wonder where she got the idea that that would be a good costume. And uh, I like how they set that up earlier, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good good little setup. And so then the shopkeeper, or who you can assume is the shopkeeper, who we can probably safely assume is Ethan, shows up and makes her an offer she cannot refuse because it looks so good on her. A Godfather reference, because she says she can't afford it. In the background in this scene, you can see another employee putting a huge, oversized, realistic-looking bull's head on a little kid. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on back there? Minotaur. <laughs> Minotaur. <laughs> Bad. So meanwhile, Spike is reviewing Buffy's fight via videotape. And hey, Spike's back. <laughs> and hey, vampires can appear on film? How does that work? Yeah. And this isn't just something that's just this episode, a mistake they made. This is something that continues throughout Buffy, that vampires can appear on film. And I don't get it. Why? How? Do it's cameras a... not use mirrors to work? I don't know. <laughs> Am I thinking of periscopes? Could you see a vampire through a periscope? No. But there's several mirrors, but so what if just... it cancels each other out? This is physics questions that need to be answered, Joss. <laughs> no. So, Drusilla shows up and is creepy and does creepy Drusilla stuff. Wait, what if Tom Cruise is a vampire? What? Because he's on film. That would make so much sense. never seen him through a periscope? No, because he's on film. That makes so much sense why he does the weird shit he does. Moving on. Drusilla comes to tell Spike that, uh, well, a lot of useless stuff. And then she concludes with that there's someone new who's going to make Buffy a week on Halloween. It's not useless. It's awesome. 
It's just weird, creepy Drusilla bantery speaking like, Miss stuff. Edith needs her tea. And do you love my insides? The parts you can't see. And so this is kind of where we realize what that What a Drusilla, twisted love, though, that they have. Drusilla has, like, visions. Like, she can... She knows things. Yeah, she can That's see That's an things. X-Men reference. She knows things. And so then we cut to the shopkeeper, Ethan... Uh, chanting to a statue of Janus in the back room of his shop. Yeah. Saying, like, oh, Janus carpe noctum. <laughs> he does some weird blood ritual and by slicing his palms somehow to get, like, puts them together and then grunts and then he pulls them apart and they're bleeding. I don't know how he did that. Yeah. But then he wipes on his, like, eyeshadow, like, just on his eyelids. And then on a, like just across in his forehead. But I was like, why eyelids? What kind of ritual needs a blood eyeshadow? That's really weird. I- Janus chaos ritual. <laughs> but yeah, he's in front of this little statue. He's chaos. I remain your faithful degenerate son. And like, obviously, I love he's, he's not a okay. Yeah, so let's talk a bit about Ethan Rain because that's his name, Ethan Rain. He, um, if we, we don't know it yet, but he does, he's a recurring uh, sort of mini villain through the series. And he's played by Robin a man named Robin Sox. Who actually passed away just over two years ago? Very sad. And he—he's not really known for much else, but uh, he's very memorable to Buffy fans. He's a very "you love him or you hate him" character because he shows up and just creates chaos and then leaves. Yeah. I personally, I like him. I am Camp Ethan. I think he's a lot of fun. <laughs> but yeah, the other side of the statue has a face. Freaking Edward Mordrake over here. Yeah, they they both have faces. Double faces, or like Professor Quirrell. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Buffy's costume, she puts it on later. Uh, it's a blast from Angel's past, she thinks. And she's, meanwhile, trying to convince Willow to wear this uh, black miniskirt and, like, long-sleeved, like, burgundy crop top thing. Just like a and like fishnets in the script, it's called hot rocker chick outfit, where she's basically dressed like a yeah, there's just nothing other than just like a sexy girl. Yeah, there's really it's not really a costume at and all. While, while it's attractive, it feels very wrong because it's Willow. Yeah, she and she's super shy, super uncomfortable with it. I'm like Willow, stop! That's not you. And she's, she tries to hide the ghost costume with Buffy snatches from her. Yeah, Buffy says, you're a dish. <laughs> <laughs> she's no, what? <laughs> but then Buffy goes to let in Private Harris. And he comes at you, the greatest line, because it sounds exactly like something I would say. He's like, well, if it isn't Buffy, Lady of Buffdom, Duchess of Buffdonia, <laughs> I'm in awe. And she says, wait till you see Willow. And Willow comes down the stairs in her ghost costume. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Bad. 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 <laughs> but later at school, there's so many cute little kids patrolling. It's like just Wanda in the school. It's adorable. In it the is. background, like just watching them like hold hands and chat and being terrified because they're extras. It's adorable. <laughs> and so we get a little scene, another Snyder and Buffy scene. Uh, where he misjudges her entirely. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's on the ball. And he's, yeah, he's convincing, he basically says, hey, you gotta take care of these kids. 
don't talk to them, don't influence them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we get a little scene with Xander and Larry, who's a pirate currently. Pirate Larry. And then we get a scene with Cordelia and Oz, where she... She appears to know him. She appears that they've talked quite a few times before. Yeah, well, because she's dating his bandmate. But yeah, she said, tell Mr. I'm so good I don't even have to show up for my own date or even call anything. And so it's like, oh, you know, he's just going by Devin nowadays. <laughs> yeah. He's got a WP, an aforementioned widespread panic sticker in his locker. So he likes the same kind of music as the gang. That's good. Everybody in the school, apparently, because it's all over the walls, too. <laughs> Maybe that was Oz is doing. One thing that confuses me is he says that they're playing a show at the Shelter Club tonight. Which Where? I thought Sunnydale only had one club, and that was the Bronze. Maybe it's out of town. So it's either out of town, or it's a new club, or it's like a... Since with a name like the Shelter Club, it's possible it could be an animal shelter that's just... Or a homeless shelter. A club for the night. Like, it's just a Halloween special. That's, yeah. my, that's what I'm going with. And so they talk... And Oz is sarcastic. And the one thing I like about Oz is he's... It's, it, in his first appearance, even in Inca Mummy Girl, it describes him in the script as... Well, A, you know, being the kind of cool that doesn't know he's cool. True. But also, it says he's sarcastic, but the kind of sarcasm that has just no malice in it whatsoever. Like, it's not... He's not a bitter sarcastic. It's true. And, yeah, Cordelia says, like... Tell him that I didn't miss him. I wasn't even thinking about him, and I didn't even see you, so I don't even care. <laughs> so what do I tell him? Nothing. Get with the program. <laughs> yeah, Cordelia's in her outfit, her uh, Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> Slinky cat spandex cat outfit. Yeah, and so then Oz turns around, and he said, well, he jokes, why can't I meet a girl like that? And I mean, turns what? around and bumps into Willow, who he doesn't recognize because she's in her ghost costume. Oh, the dramatic irony and the near miss. Ah. And the one thing, one thing that's interesting about Oz is in the original, like original Oz, uh, he was supposed to, he was modeled partially off of uh, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer, and he's supposed to have these big, thick glasses, like Seth Green's character in It. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I don't know, he was performing on stage with them, and Joss just kind of said, hey, lose, lose the glasses, it's not working. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad he did, because he looks fine like this. <laughs> I like how you drawled him fine. Well, I meant it that way. It was fine like Yeah, this. I meant it that way. <laughs> and so Xander's schooling kids on how to trick-or-treat, soldier-style. He's giving his little troops orders, and they're trying not to laugh. It's so adorable. They're, like, smirking and, like, trying not to smile for the camera, trying to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. And so then we go to outside, where everyone is trick-or-treating. It's cool cinematography and directing. Because, like, the kids are marching, and then the screen wipes over with kids walking outside, like, trick-or-treating. So I really got directed by Bruce Seth Green this episode, and um, kind of reminded me of the movie Trick-or-Treat, which one of my favorite Halloween movies of all time. And just the way, the directing, the cinematography, I was like, yeah, I like it. I think it's interesting that Bruce Seth Green directed this episode, and this is the first time he's worked with Seth Green. Okay. <laughs> Seth Green and Bruce Seth Green working together. First time. It's mm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so Buffy's asking what the kids got. Mrs. Davis. In Mrs. Davis's house, and they got toothbrushes. She must be stopped. Yeah, so... <laughs> poor... <laughs> poor kids. So they're going to hit a few more houses. We cut to Ethan Rain chanting to Janus. Um, yeah, Ethan is still doing this insanely <laughs> long ritual. Yeah. Hours long. Yeah, the blood on his forehead's already like going away. He's drenched with sweat. Like, I don't know how intensive this is, but it's weird. Is it really worth it? Like, I mean, we don't, we haven't seen what the spell does yet, but is it worth it? <laughs> Willow takes her group, meanwhile, to Mrs. Doubtfire's house. Yeah, and she's out of candy. It, it must be so much fun for these little kids to do a second Halloween. Like, to act like it's Halloween and dress up. And, like, they don't get to choose their costumes or anything. But to, like, do a second Halloween and then have the real Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be so... I miss trick-or-treating. This is, like, the... This is the kind of episode that you just... This is, like, a Halloween TV special. This is those kind of things, like, where you just sit down and watch, like, the pumpkin tree and the <laughs> the great pumpkin. And, you know, you just... And trick or the or pumpkin treat. tree, the Halloween tree. Trick-or-treat. Yeah, you just... You Such know, a good movie. This is, I mean, we're currently recording this in the middle of March, but but it just, it gets you in the Halloween spirit, and it really makes you miss the that time of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, they then the kids, uh, they're perfectly okay with the fact that there's no candy. They leave On the outside. <laughs> they leave disappointed, but <laughs> they, uh, they immediately... <laughs> Turn into the their costumes, little demons, and start trying to kill her. <laughs> yeah, because showtime. Ethan Rain's done his ritual, or Ethan's done his ritual, and everybody's coming to life. And uh, what a cool concept for an episode! People turning into their costumes. Sounds like Goosebumpsy. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought, and it's probably because of the the mask looks very much like the mask used in the Goosebumps <laughs> episode. But can you imagine? This would be hell. All hell breaks loose. And the there's going to be some people who buy the stupidest f***ing costumes. There's going to be people walking. There's a taco on the ground. Don't eat it. <laughs> That's what you get for like those like like cultural appropriation costumes. That's you get to be a taco on the ground. <laughs> a little taco with a big sombrero on top of it. <laughs> They, what would you they be? earned this. <laughs> what would you be if if you were in this situation, Clairvoyant? Um, I'm trying to think of past Halloween costumes. I guess you'd be a skeleton. Yeah, I'd be a glow-in-the-dark um, skeleton. <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't grab a costume last year because I didn't have time, but I was going to go as Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. I guess you'd be Jon Snow. Can you imagine there'd be Power Rangers and shit running around? That'd be really cool. <laughs> All your favorite TV characters. One kid just is SpongeBob. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to see a live action SpongeBob. <laughs> There's a reason it's a cartoon. Uh, that no, this would be hell <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> but yeah. it's gets to cool that yeah, everyone starts turning to their costumes. Uh, Willow dies. She suddenly can't breathe and just dies. And Buffy Purist, I shit you not, lists this as human death count one. 
<laughs> so we're going to also. But she didn't die. We're going to do it. I hate you. Because it is listed. If you look up this episode, the death count for this episode, like everywhere lists Willow death. But yeah, she becomes a, a real ghost <laughs> wearing her skimpy outfit, which <laughs> I guess she didn't. She just threw the costume on over top. I feel like Carl Ellsworth was, since he's a freelance writer, was a fan of the show and wanted to see her wearing something skimpy, and also wanted to see her wear it for most of the episodes. So she's wearing it when she leaves the ghost costume. And so Xander just immediately has an actual rifle. I love the the cinematography there. Like he like he's holding his fake rifle and he kind of looks down, like looks back up, and it's. Like pulls it back up into the camera view, and some prop guy must have handed it to me under the camera, because it's a real rifle. And suddenly he's got like dog tags, and like his military gear looks more real, and just like everything looks more realistic. Yeah, and so Willow is uh, convincing Xander to stop shooting at people in the street. <laughs> shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't have to, but Xander and... doesn't recognize her. He can see her, which surprised me, but he doesn't recognize her. Yeah, and the Willow kind of explains what's going on, which happens frequently throughout the episode. This exposition of people turning to their costumes. <laughs> and Xander walks right through her. Which, yeah. why do you think she can remember and he doesn't? Because she's a ghost. I don't know. <laughs> well, because she's a ghost of herself, maybe? That's possible. Some kids like her, just... Her costume's essentially like herself. That's possible. That's a weak theory, but it's the only one we have. <laughs> Some kids, though, were dressed as vampires, so they actually look like the Buffy vs. Vampires, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I think it's weird. Do you think they actually had kids sit for hours and hours as they applied prosthetics, or do you think they went with dwarf actors? I think they had kids, because they don't change heights when they do the CG shift, but I think they're masks. Yeah, because, like, sitting for hours... Kids could not sit for hours and have that makeup applied on them. That'd be the worst for everyone involved. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, they find Victorian-era... Actually, one thing I want to mention. Do you think the demons that they turn into are actual species of demons that could show up later? I think some of them could be, but some of them are just masks. I mean, it, it depends if there's an infinite amount of demons that could exist. I guess. But, yeah, Buffy, they run into Buffy, who's a uh, Victorian era. Yeah, and she's uh, just faints immediately. <laughs> she's a noble, she's a noble woman. And so they, you know, they try and wake her up. She's frightened and confused and... She sees a car. <laughs> and a demon. A demon. That's not a demon. It's a car. What does it want? I like how her outfit, as well as Ender's, like becomes more like realistic looking. And also her wig is no longer a wig. Like her cheesy Victorian era wig is now, well, it is obviously for the actress, but it's made to look more like it's real hair and not a cheesy Halloween wig. And it's also a complete different hairstyle for some reason. Yeah, and she's got a really strange accent that's I don't doesn't seem very seventeen seventy five. It seems almost like southern. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like a mix between like Victorian era, like pompous London, and like a southern belle from the eighteen sixties. 
What a cool concept for an episode, though. I guess gotta say it again. What a cool idea, Carl. Yeah, and this guy introduced Ethan Rain, who apparently they must have liked because they keep bringing him back. <laughs> but and uh, and super serious military Xander is such a good actor too, because he's like funny, but he's not like trying to be. Like he's funny because he's serious, but it's just so out of the realm of what's normal for Xander. Like it's complete different from the pack Xander too. It's a complete different Xander, but it's just so, you know, such range. <laughs> So Willow rushes them to a friend's house, which ends up being Buffy's house. Uh, her mom's conveniently not home. Thank like God. What do you think she dressed as, a French maid? I don't think she would have dressed up. So Buffy doesn't seem to remember anything either about all this. So I don't know why Willow does. But Because Willow's herself. She couldn't have She's dressed like, up like Xena, which is a great Willow. reference. <laughs> yeah. So outside, uh, Cordelia... shooting out the windows. Yeah. If you killed somebody tonight in costume, would they die for real? Probably. If you That's ate a taco really with a sombrero. Would you have eaten a person? <laughs> <laughs> That's so <laughs> crazy. So, yeah, probably a lot of deaths this episode. <laughs> yeah. So Cordelia screams, and so Xander rushes out to save her. So they find out that Cordelia has not changed into a cat, and she's not changed into one of the pussycats from Josie and the Pussycats either. I kind of wish she was a cat, like Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No. Like... <laughs> no. And she says that, I was just attacked by Jojo the dog-faced boy, which is a P.T. Barnum freak show reference. They're a real circus-type show that had someone named Jojo the dog-faced boy. And she remembers so everything, though. She's she's all good. Yeah, and Willow's confused that she's a cat. Or she's, rather, she's not a cat. And she explains everything to Cordelia. And then she goes to Giles for help. And Xander gives Cordelia his coat, and holy damn, he's buff. <laughs> he's got, like, tattoos on his arm, which are not, obviously, you know, they're for the role. But for, like, the military thing. But damn, he's ripped. Ten. I'll take ten. The producers actually, not you know specifically for this episode, but they asked Nicholas Brendan to stop working out because he was getting really buff. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of weird for the character. I like how Willow kind of takes charge this episode because she has to, but I like that she does. It's kind of assertive and unlike... You know, she kind of asserted herself a little bit last episode, but it's kind of cool to see her take charge. Yeah. And so... Willow goes to explain to or goes to grab Giles. Uh, we see Spike roaming the streets, having a blast. When she like shadow cats through the walls too to get away, she just walks through, phases right through the wall. So why did you face through the floor? Where would you go? Could you keep going till you hit the core? <laughs> Does she get to choose if she wants to phase? We have so many insane theories about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just all the possibilities. Nothing makes. Sense. I, mean, I like how Spike outside is just like, well, this is just neat. <laughs> yeah, Spike's having fun. I would love it. Cordelia is searching the house and Angel shows up. Uh, meanwhile, Willow phases through a wall and just scares the absolute shit out of Giles. I loved it. He like, oh, like, throws cue cards <laughs> throws everywhere. 
And she's like, she's like, how are you? How did you? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> he has no. He has so many questions and doesn't know where to start. <laughs> and Xander says, "You take Angel, who shows up. You take the princess. Secure the kitchen. Catwoman, you're with me." Which is a DC Comics reference. If you didn't catch and it, Cordelia, of course, explains everything to Angel. So Angel takes Buffy into the kitchen. But I like the man with the musket. Do you have a musket? She's really good also at, like, being funny and, like, in this role. Very, uh, like, anti-feminist. Like, they had too much fun with their characters, I think, this episode. Everybody had too much fun. Yeah, she's very, like, you know, the men. The men do the fighting. I like, yeah, I love the role reversal. How Xander's a big tough guy. Not like a weakling who can't take care of himself. And Buffy's like the big, the weakling that can't take care of herself. And, you know, not, you like the roles are completely reversed. Forcing Willow and Cordelia to take charge. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Angel takes Buffy to the kitchen. Angel, a vampire breaks in. Yeah. And Angel didn't leave the door was, open. And a vampire. Who was not invited my only theory is that this was a kid dressed up as a vampire, so therefore the rules don't strictly have to apply. Yeah, that probably is the case, since most vampires wouldn't be out anyway. Right. And he's wearing, like, ancient-looking clothes. And so then Angel is fighting him, and then turns around and reveals his vamp face when he asks Buffy for a steak. And she's mortified. She's so scared. And she screams and runs out of the house. We never see what happened to that vampire. I'm going to assume he's dead. But we, yeah, we're we not going to count it because we can't just assume. But, yeah, we never see what happens. It's possible he got up and ran away or something. And what if he did stake him? That's probably a kid. <laughs> That's probably why he didn't. And when he asked Buffy for a steak, she grabs a kitchen knife. Which is not as... I mean, no. Well, maybe she <laughs> thought she was going to make him, like, a beef steak. That's what I would have thought. <laughs> Yeah, but she's from, like, the 1700s, so maybe, like, a steak just means something sharp. Possible. So, at the library, Willow and Giles uh, basically explain everything to the audience for fifth time. Yeah. What are you? I'm a ghost. A ghost of what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they realize that Cordelia probably didn't change because she rented it from Party Town. Yeah, and everyone else rented their costumes from Ethan's. Who rents costumes? Why not buy costumes? Most people rent costumes. But uh, meanwhile, Spike's outside recruiting kid demons. Yeah, he's just he's just yeah. Hey, let's go find the Slayer. He's got just a pack of demons. <laughs> um, Buffy runs into Larry, the actual pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Who, uh, he's got like long shaggy hair and he's a, yeah he's a, he's a pirate now and he's going after Buffy if so you could well, turn into a costume what would you choose as a costume Godzilla I'd be a banana I don't know what I'd be I'd probably be I'd dress up as you well thanks <laughs> I'd probably be like um, a superhero like Captain America or something Ryan Seacrest no <laughs> But uh, yeah, Giles and Willow a costume the costume shop. Yeah, they can go to the shop. Like um, a cost, but a costume. Do you get it? Yeah, 
It's bad. Moving on. <laughs> and so Giles recognizes the Yanu statue. He's a Roman god, which might explain the blood yeah, it's eyeshadow. Gender. Might explain the blood eyeshadow, because, I don't know, it seems Roman. And so then Ethan shows up, and Giles orders Willow to leave. ASAP. And then, and then it's like a, hello, Ethan, hello, Ripper, and oh. So they know each other, which is kind of cool, and also Ripper. Giles Ripper. has got some, some explaining to do, because <laughs> Ripper is not Rupert. So Spike is looking for Buffy. Who's actually uh, crying. She's getting attacked by a, a pirate Lariant tear. Like, what a weird scene to waste your acting talents on. Yeah, she does so well. But um, Xander, military Xander, saves her from Larry, which tables once again turned. <laughs> kicks the shit out of pirate Larry and says... Beating up that pirate gave me some sort of closure for some reason. <laughs> Which I totally knew. I was like, yeah, it's because the table's turned. It's going to it's gonna make Xander feel good. But uh, Cordelia explains to Buffy that Angel's a good vampire and would never hurt her, but she doesn't seem to believe it. Yeah, she doesn't think that... She still doesn't believe that Angel's a vampire. And so Willow shows up and says, hey, we got to go because Spike is coming. Meanwhile, Ethan and Giles are talking about Giles' dark past, which is yeah, interesting. Ethan's like, what? No hug? <laughs> but Giles says, you know, the stunt stinks of Ethan Rain. I suppose it does. It's sick, brutal, and harms the innocent, so... It's because he says it's very much a careful-what-you-wish-for thing. But it's also, yeah, not... He's, Ethan seems to think he's punishing the people who deserve it. Maybe. I don't know. He just likes to cause chaos for the most part. Yeah. Like, yeah they talk about... Yeah, he talks about, like, how, like, well, this is just an act. A snivelly, tweed-clad watcher. Like, I know who you really are. I know what you're capable of. He's like, whoa. Yeah, apparently Giles wasn't always boring. And he's like, but they don't, do they? They have no idea who, where you came from, which sounds like Giles had so, quite the past. So if you were, like, a delinquent... How do you get to the point where you find boring activities, like, interesting? Like Kevin Spacey. (laughs) (laughs) Ask him. And Giles says, like, like, basically, like, tell me, tell me how to fix this and then leave. And he's like, well, what's in the bargain for me? You get to live. And then he kicks his ass. He just, I'm so scared. Boom! He just starts kicking the Ethan Rain. And I think it's fantastic that they gave Giles like a badass backstory that kind of develops him more, like makes him a deeper, richer character. They didn't have to. I don't feel like Giles really needed it. Like they could have just delved more into like the kind of books he likes and stuff like that. And that's fine because that's the kind of character he is. But the fact that they kind of gave him a past and not a good past, that's kind of cool and unnecessary. Yeah. And it's interesting like how this, just like this was not one of the season's writers. So this guy did not sit in the room and have meetings and meetings with these guys about what we're going to do with this character and what we're going to do with this character. He basically, he wrote a script and he gave it to them. He's like, do you guys like this? They're like, oh, that's cool. And then, like, you know, Ethan Rain comes back. Giles' past comes back. Like, I think he must have, like, they might have done some tweaks, I'm sure, to make it kind of fit. But, yeah, it's kind of cool. I wonder how much he thought of and how much they, like, kind of tweaked it. Because it laid the groundwork for a lot of stuff. It sure did. And, um... 
so where were we? Oh, so the gang is barricading themselves inside a warehouse, uh, but Spike's gang breaks in. Yippers. Meanwhile, Giles is still uh, physically persuading Ethan. Yeah, to... tell me how to stop the spell. Say pretty please. Boom, kicks him in the chest. <laughs> He's just laughing. <laughs> so Spike uh, is... He's got Buffy. He's about to kill Buffy. He's so He's pleased, got... too, that she's just like a lamb now. And she's crying. And... But really, Spike, after this point, would he break? He killed three slayers. Like, cause, like... I'm sure he would. I'm sure he wouldn't tell them the circumstances. Yeah, it's like like the Slayer was activated and it was like a newborn and he killed it. He's like, I killed four Slayers. Yeah, basically. This is cheating. No, I think they activated when they're like 16 or something like that. But, yeah. But all, Buffy's in trouble because all her friends are being held by Spike's minions, his new minions. Yeah, and, um... So Buffy, and she's like, she's terrified, she's scared, and all demure, like a little fawn. And Ethan finally reveals that the secret ending the spell is to smash the Yanu statue, so Giles does. Right as Willow gives, Xander breaks free, and Willow gives him permission to fire on Spike. Yeah, and one thing that's interesting is you see the Yanu statue again, so maybe there's more of them. Like, in a later episode, you do see that same statue, which was just smashed to bits. (laughs) I feel like this is a good pacing, I think. But I'm surprised that Ethan wasn't lying. Yeah. Well, he's just, I think he's just tired of being beaten up at this point. (laughs) But yeah, so right as the set, Xander goes to whip out his gun because the statue is smashed, he pulls it up into camera frame and it's plastic. He's like, what the? And Buffy just, hi, honey, I'm home, and... Yeah, suddenly there's a bunch of kids crying for their moms. Spike is caught in a moment, like, nothing to do. You're done. And, hi, honey, I'm home, and Buffy kicks his ass. And, you know what? It's good to be me. And And so, yeah, he beats him up, and he leaves. (laughs) Yeah, meanwhile, Giles goes to deal with Ethan, but he's already gone. And Spike just runs off. Buffy, I feel like, could have killed him in the scene, but she doesn't, and I don't know why. Yeah. And Angel kind of just shows up and swoops Buffy away immediately. I like how everybody totally remembers what happened, too. Yeah, they talk about how they were. it was like they were trapped in their body and they couldn't do anything about it. Weird. And so, uh... I mean, Cordelia... But they still, yeah, they remember everything. So. But when Angel whisks Buffy away, Cordelia's upset that she was interrupted. And then was like, give it up. You'll never get between those two. Believe me. I know. <laughs> And then they're just kind of like, hey, where's Willow? <laughs> yeah, and uh, on the porch, Willow stands up and throws up the ghost costume. She's a badass leader now. He's confident. She don't need no... She, she ain't afraid re- to no ghost. She has been resurrected. And so she's confidently uh, walking across the street in her rocker chick outfit, and Oz drives by in the weirdest van. <laughs> His zebra print van. <laughs> and he just... And she crosses right in front of him and... Who is that girl? And I love it. I love it. I love. I love it. I love it. You I got know, mad goosebumps. Um, I got goosebumps just talking about it. Alison Hannigan's first role, her first major role, was in a movie called My Stepmother Is an Alien when she was fourteen, and her boyfriend in that movie was actually Seth Green. 
Maybe that's why I ship it. They've got internal chemistry. <laughs> because they've always been together. And then I think Seth Green ended up showing up on How I Met Your Mother, which she went on to be on. Prove it. I don't... I've, I can't. I, I said I think. <laughs> At home, Buffy's dressed casual. She's got, like, sweats on. And Angel's confused as to why Buffy thought he'd even like her more in that 18th century garb. Yeah, she confesses. She's trying to impress him. And he said, oh, he absolutely hated the woman back then, especially the noble woman because they're airheads. Yeah, simpering morons, a lot of them. I always wished I could meet someone exciting, interesting. And Buffy does even, like, when she is an 1800 noble woman, she says, uh, or I guess 1700s, 18th century noble woman, she says, uh, you know, not, I wasn't raised to be to think, you know, I wasn't raised to... Look pretty. Yeah, and be married off when I'm of age. But yeah, Buffy's like, interesting how. He's like, you know how. She's like, I had a really hard day. You should probably tell me. And then they kiss. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the next day. To a beautiful Christoph Beck song. Yeah, it wasn't their, it's not their love theme, but it's still, it's it's pretty. It's close. It's getting there. And so the next day, Giles goes back to Ethan's. Which and, is trashed and closed, which is probably, this is probably not a good idea for Ethan to do this, considering he put himself out of business. I don't think he was planning on staying around, but he paid for that inventory and it's all trashed or stolen. He just, I don't think he really cares. I think he just does things. He's like, this would be really fun to do. <laughs> and so he finds a note. A card, a postcard. It says, you, be seeing you. Yeah, which is kind of like a promise, like, I'll I'll be back. It's a catchphrase from a British TV show around the era when they were both kids called The Prisoner. And the villains it, always said that ominously. Oh, isn't that like that sci-fi, The Prisoner? Maybe. But that's the end of the app. We've got a human death count of sort of one, vampire death count of one. And so... What did you? What do you think of Ethan Rain? Do you like? Are you a fan? Are you a? Are, I think I'm a fan. I think? think so. It's a tough one. <laughs> um. So, as far as I can't remember, I keep forgetting the guy who wrote this episode. Carl Ellsworth. So, uh, do you think he did a good job with this episode? I think he did a fantastic job. I think it's very well written. Great concept. Uh, and then the director did a really good job with it. And it just overall, I thought it was a really good episode. Really good everything. So, what out of five stakes would you give it? I think I'm going to give it a... It's a toss-up between a 4.5 and a 5. I really like this episode. It's, a, it's an absolute shame that our horror podcasters couldn't join us for it. Um, because it really does fit the theme, and it's just such a good episode. I think I'm going to go with 5. I think I'm going to go with 5, because I can't think of a reason why it wouldn't be. Wow. That's a... A five. I did think it was a good episode. It's definitely like it's a. It, we're we're heading in the right direction. This is the kind of episode that I'd like to see, and. You know it's it's, it was it's entertaining to watch. Uh, it's a, it's, it, you know it's a silly concept. It is, but that in no way does that hurt it because it's a it's a really creative, clever concept, and so. I think I'd give it a 3.5, which is, it's a strong rating. I, Quite a gap. Yeah, I wouldn't give it a 5. Uh, I don't think I've given a 5. <laughs> you haven't. 
and I note. won't for a while. <laughs> but but yeah, no, it was a good episode, and I did I did enjoy it. Weedenverse podcast rating four point twenty five out of five stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two, episode seven, Lie to Me, and episode eight. The Dark Age, with special guest Rob Weeks from Firefly Podcast, Balls and Bayonets Brigade. Wait until next week? In the meantime, check out Once More with Ling Ling on YouTube. Fantastic YouTuber that loves everything Buffy. All programs, productions, characters, music, and stories discussed in this nonprofit podcast belong to Joss Whedon and or their respective networks. All music, clips, and discussion used is either original, royalty-free, or released under Creative Commons designation CCBYNCSA. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening.